the best insight, instant feedback, accountability. The all-new Talk Radio Freedom 106.5. Joining us now, ladies and gentlemen, Teachers President Mr. Martin Lumpkin. Good morning to you. Hi, good morning. It's nice to have you with us here this morning, Mr. Lumpkin. We are discussing on the air topic that we've been discussing as a nation for a pretty long period of time. And that's the issue of uh, schools, violence, uh, delinquent children, how we treat with them, the issues that keep coming up over and over again. This morning, the suggestion um, that is being discussed is more police officers, more soldiers playing a more active role in trying to combat school violence. Your, your story is right next to the one with David Nackett saying that um, you're calling for police presence at high-risk schools. Now, it's not the first time that we've heard this, and we've been told time and time again that there are, there are measures in place where police patrol and all these kinds of things. Um, what's the thought process this time around? Um, the suggestion is more police, more soldiers, and whatever else. How, is that like, how, how would that work? Okay, so we have this situation where, whereby the community is influencing the school. Schools are part of an, an essential part of the community. And more and more, we are finding that you have the influence of the community within the school, either by outside forces or outside persons. Mm or even the influence of the students coming from the community. Now, if we look at some of the violence that takes place that is not influenced by the students, so we had recently the shooting outside the Boston Lodge Moravian School, and we have had instances in the past of such. That's one area. Then secondly, we had the instance, allegedly, of the Chagonas North and South secondary schools, where they would have uh, um, attacked a maxi to get to one of the students. If in the interim, and we are saying that these are interim measures, if there is the presence of law enforcement officers, it will be for a part a deterrent for these forces that have to engage in violence and indiscipline. Now, violence and indiscipline is a national issue. So we are affected, citizens are affected by crime and criminal activities. It is something that is permeating to our schools as well. Too. So we are seeing symptoms of a bigger picture, a bigger disease that is affecting our schools and the nation as a whole. Tutor is of the opinion that we need to treat with the cause of these diseases and not just the symptoms. So it will take a national effort, all arms of government, all arms of NGOs, state-based organizations, and community groups in order to bring some level of um, intervention and to start to reverse what is taking place. We also have to have the conversation of the education system. What is the nature and purpose of education? Is education failing a number of our students? 
such that they are attracted to these gangs and these groups and not attracted to getting an education which can take them out of their present situation. Mm. I know I went on off the the um, security and so forth. No, but it, they're all related. And, and, and they're intertwined one way or the other. So I understand why you would bring all these topics because um, in treating with the problem, you want to treat with all elements of it, not just one and leave all the rest to, 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 to faster. Um, there are some and there are some who suggest that the, the call for more police and more army and everybody else is just a knee-jerk reaction because while you would have them on spot or, or in the school or whatever else for a specific period of time, the children are left to their own deviances after that. Um, and you, it's, it's, somebody suggested as well that it's not a sustainable thing. But Mr. Lumpkin, um, and, 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 and I know Tita would have been involved in some of these discussions on their own or with school authorities. The issue of what happens to a troubled child has been a discussion we've been having for a long period of time. The last we heard from the Minister of Education was that mandatory um, service. And since then, we've heard nothing else of it. Um, but what what does tutor suggest we do when it comes to children who are habitually offenders when it comes to to violence and all these other kinds of things what's the proposal it's the actual working of the system so we have a division within the ministry of education which is the student support services division and there are officers within that division who would intervene when it comes to behavior that is deviant and um, not not what it should be. So if we work these systems properly and if we have the resources, then we believe that we can intervene such that a student does not reach to the point of consistently um, being deviant. However, if we have tried everything and the interventions do not work at that level, there needs to be intervention at a higher level. So, for example, within student support services, there's the guidance officer, right? But those are really um, career guidance officers. You need to have the psycho and psychosocial workers, which can assist as well. Now, the referral system throughout the, the school system can work, but you are depending on sometimes school officials to work this, who have to also teach their class. Now, if you have persons who are dedicated and they let me just point out as well, the guidance officers are assigned to more than one school, sometimes three, four schools. So the meaningful intervention at one school cannot really take place because they have to focus on other schools. Ideally, if you have one per school, then the intervention can be meaningful. And you wouldn't, uh, well, you have less persons because, as you know, outside influence also would play a factor into persons becoming deviant. Um, you know, there's the allegedly um, drugs 
intervent um, persons selling drugs and, and allegedly on school compounds and so. And that's a wide, because of a wider um, gangs and so. And, and these would need the, the outside intervention of, of other agencies. So there are systems in place. If, if the suspension system needs to be implemented, and it is of the opinion that this should not be the first case scenario, but after all that um, has been tried, then if there needs to be, and if the child is suspended, mm. there must be some additional program to assist the student. They cannot be suspended and sent home or sent into the community to be further influenced. Uh, yeah? Okay, so here's another question. Is the situation with school violence as bad as is being made out in the public domain, or is it that the isolated incidents are, are just being highlighted because of social media and everything else? What's what's the real situation? The because of social media, you will be seeing a lot of these violence and indiscipline in the public domain. We are of the opinion it is too fast. Uh, uh, um, happening too much in our schools and we are getting more and more schools that were not previously under the radar of the Ministry of Education in relation to violence and indiscipline. But that um, it is creeping in slowly. Yeah, it is becoming a little more and uncom uncomfortable for our members to have to deal with. Mm. Um, I, I know that we can speak about this issue for a very long period of time, um, because it's 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 confronting teachers and schools and administrations every single day. And uh, we had spoken to a vice president some time ago, and he went into great detail to tell us how how difficult the situation is and how gangs have infiltrated the schools now. And um, you have children who are active gang members in these schools now, so it changes the dynamic of it's not just a troubled child that you're dealing with, but somebody who is prone to criminality in a, in a very real way. Uh, the average individual looks on from the outside and they don't understand some of the challenges uh, in the way that teachers would have to deal with them because a 14-year-old, 15-year-old today is not the 14 and 15-year-old from two or three decades ago. It's a totally different individual that you're dealing with. That's just one topic. But uh, we have a couple of minutes with you again. There's another topic that I wanted to speak about. Um, some time ago, not too long, and we've been having the discussion for a while, migrant children. Venezuelans obviously dominate the topic because of the number of them that we've registered and the language barrier. And uh, the discussion recently was, what do we do about children who've come across with these migrants and their parents now have the, the, the status because they were regularized and, and registered and everything else. Um, and, and we need to have them in our schools. What's happening with that? How, are we making any progress towards putting Venezuelan children in school? So once the migrants are registered and they can obtain a student visa, then they can be enrolled in our public and public assisted schools. However, we have undocumented migrants within our community, and some of them who are minors, who are of school age. Mm. Now, I am aware that the laws of Trinidad and Tobago allows for 
if a child has been born in Trinidad and Tobago, then they are a citizen of Trinidad and Tobago by birth. And so they can access the school system. However, I know some of those parents would be undocumented migrants and would be fearful of going to the school because if, if immigration gets wind of it, they can deport them. However, the undocumented minors who are of school age is a concern. Now, the United Nations rights of the child gives the right to all children that of schooling. However, we, our law states that the student must, well, the potential student must be either a citizen of Trinidad and Tobago or has a visa. Those undocumented students are still out of school. Mm-hmm. And there has not been any um, any movement that we are seeing when it comes to having those students allowed this education in Trinidad and Tobago. The Catholic Education Board of Management did state to the Ministry of Education that they are prepared to allow students into their schools, that they have put the requisite resources in place in terms of training and so um, we are not certain of how how much of a training is that. However, the the laws have to be amended and as far as we are aware, it is still at the attorney general. So there has not been any movement towards that as we are as far as we are aware. No. It's it's a troubling matter for more than one reason because you I, I mean I spoke about it last week I saw a couple of my um, children Venezuelan children in Chaguanas walking the road 10 o'clock in the day three of them and none could have been older than 11 so it says that they while their parents out earning a living they are very much unsupervised and left to their own devices which we know can get them in a lot of trouble uh, Mr. Lumpkin, I want to thank you. This we're going to have to leave our interview here this morning. I want to thank you for being with us here this morning and sharing some of Tutor's insights into some of the matters that we continue to discuss. And I'm sure that we'll have to speak to you again because some of these things are going anywhere fast, and that's for sure. Thank you so much for being with us here this morning. You're welcome, and thank you for having me on the program. And that, of course, ladies and gentlemen, Tutor's uh, president, that's uh, Martin Lumpkin. The best insight, instant feedback, accountability. The all-new Talk Radio, Freedom 106.5.